Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Fraudology Podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. Tuesday's episode was a little bit different, but still, I think, equally important. For everyone that listens to Fraudology, I didn't mean to scare anyone. You know, I don't think that everyone who's in a fraud fighter is subject to or at risk um, of being subject to all that that person had to go through. It was quite an extreme case, but I do think that it should give us a little bit of pause, right? And think about what is your own safety risk, depending on who you work for and uh, the role in your company and just so many different factors. And while we were, you know, having that conversation, the topic of LinkedIn came up briefly. And I said, well, I'm going to do a little bit more of a deep dive on that on Thursday. And so that's what this is. There's other reasons why I think that we need to be conscious or maybe a little cautious about using LinkedIn, which this is coming from someone who uses it quite often and who uses it as part of my career and my business. So I understand that it could seem like hypocritical or something like that. But I do a lot of things intentionally. And I think that that's important. I think, you know, weighing out the risks and the rewards or the potential benefits and potential risks are important in everything we do, whether that's in our personal life or our career, our professional life, etc. And I don't think that this is any exception to that. So some of the things that I, you know, uh, thought about after Tuesday's episode were that it's important for us not to take our anonymity or our safety for granted. Um, That's something that, you know, the person that I talked to for that episode. I'm trying so hard not to say their name in real life. For obvious reasons, they wanted to keep any identifying factors off of the podcast. And, you know, generally speaking, something that I have to kind of bargain with when I ask people to be on the podcast is, hey, I want to promote you. I want to give you a little bit of, you know, not notoriety, but just some, you know, other people for other people to know who you are in the industry. And that can help with career advancement and other things. In this case, she just wanted to do it out of the kindness of her heart and didn't want to have any um, identifying factors. Just not because, you know, that threat still exists because it did go away. But I think the fact that she's still not sure why it went away still gives her a little cause for pause. And I think that that makes total sense. But I'm just very grateful uh, that she gave up time in her week to do that, uh, especially because I wasn't able to shout her out and give her any promotional value uh, for her own career path. I, I mean, at the same time, she doesn't really need it. She's got a great job and has had a good career and all of that. So but you know, not everybody who comes on the podcast needs it. But I still that's something that I can give and, and that I give freely to the people who I think have a story to tell and have information to share for this platform. So beyond just, you know, not taking our anonymity and our safety for granted, I think it is important for us to take steps to protect ourselves and our families. And what those steps are really, you know, depends on a lot of factors, you know, our own personal 
I don't want to say our paranoia, but just, you know, I think we all have different ways of balancing out, you know, what we do to protect ourselves versus, you know, things to have fun or have opportunities. And so, you know, I think that at the end of the day, these are things that we all need to think of for ourselves because not everybody's at the same risk of being in danger, right? It depends on the type of company you work for, the type of platform it is, uh, how much, you know, that platform plays in people's daily lives, how well known it is, how tempted people might be to impersonate you, just all kinds of things. And I'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but I, I just wanted to caution, you know, that this shouldn't make us more paranoid um, than we need to be. I think it's important to find the balance. And that's something that I've tried to find the balance of. I mean, certainly, Last week, you know, when I saw, and if you didn't listen to last Thursday's episode, you may not have heard this, but when I saw a link to my LinkedIn posted in a uh, fraudster telegram group, that certainly gave me like a little bit of a, (gasps) took my breath away for a second. But at the end of the day, I realized, well, that's why I'm cautious about the things I say. You know, I have a different last name than other people in my family. Um, There are, you know, I don't talk about the town that I live in. I don't talk about, you know, certain things like that on the podcast or, you know, on social media in general. Um, I keep everything pretty locked down as far as I know and, you know, do what I can. But at the same time, I don't want to live scared. So I've had to find that balance. And I just if there's any purpose to today's episode, it's that I want to help you find that balance too. And maybe just being intentional about the way that you interact with social media and LinkedIn, that might be part of it. So beyond the reasons that came up in Tuesday's episode, um, as far as personal safety, if you have a user that you have to shut down and they become obsessed and harass you and other people in the company, obviously that is a reason why you may not want to be on LinkedIn so publicly. But there's a couple of other reasons why I think our own activity and the information we share on LinkedIn is, again, worth being intentional about. My word for 2022 or 2023 was intentional, not just for actually it had nothing to do with LinkedIn, but I just think that it is important to be intentional with the things we do and why we do them and you know what we do them for. Um, So that's where I'm coming with that. So here are a few other risks that I think are important to know beyond your public safety that I know that being on LinkedIn can bring. And that's beyond the fact that, you know, as we've talked about in past episodes, especially on pig butchering, that there are definitely pig butchering attempts being made on various social media platforms, including LinkedIn. Uh, That can definitely be a risk, but I'm talking more about, you know, things specific to you as fraud fighters. Unfortunately, that's a risk to everyone who uses the platform, but it's a risk to everyone who uses almost any social media platform. So knowing what those look like, knowing what the profiles look like, knowing what those attempts look like, that's you know the best thing you can do there. But one of the biggest reasons why I think it's important to be aware, not just of your own use of LinkedIn, but also to think about, you know, if you may want to influence company guidelines on the use of LinkedIn is that fraudsters are actively recruiting innies. I've talked about this on previous episodes, insiders, you know, their term for it is innies uh, within a company can do a lot of things. Uh, I think a good example of that is the legal documents that Amazon filed at the end of December against uh, people within their company who had facilitated refund fraud, uh, who had marked items such as laptops and, you know, no 
pads and things like that as returned when they weren't. They were recruited from outside forces to become an insider and were paid for those services. So not only are they getting, you know, a few hundred dollars per return, but then they were also being paid their paycheck. And so there are definitely people recruiting insiders out there. LinkedIn can be one of those ways that they find maybe a low-level employee. It most likely would never be someone on the fraud team, um, unless the fraud team was the only ones that you know were able to do something you know specific and that they needed. And you know maybe the fraud team is really large and they can still find someone you know low-level. But people that have sales associate on their LinkedIn profile and they have it linked to your retail company, uh, people who have you know warehouse worker at a third-party logistics company or a shipping carrier, a delivery carrier, someone that has sales associate at a mobile company, they may be subject to being asked to do SIM swaps, um, banks for, you know, approving large transactions or large withdrawals or transfers, things like that. So I think it's just important to be aware of that LinkedIn is one of the tools that are being used uh, to identify insiders that fraudsters can pay to perform certain things that nobody else could do, right? If somebody else internally marks something as returned, that's going to be the best way to get your money back for refund fraud, rather than having to hope that you can, you know, convince someone on the uh, customer service side on the phone call that you returned something when you really didn't. There's other ways that innies are being recruited. We actually had a really interesting conversation about this on our retailer call a few weeks ago. There are some pretty big name retailers that have brick and mortar locations as well on that phone call and on that collaboration call that I host. And um, a couple of them were talking about how they've had to send out uh, notifications to all employees about insider recruitment, about what the company will do if they are recruited and if they, you know, do do that as far as prosecution and things like that. Um, they've even in some cases, companies that have well-known colors of t-shirts or, you know, well-known uniforms, they have been instructing their employees uh, at stores to not wear those uniforms or, you know, colored t-shirts uh, on the subway or other public types of transportation because they know that people have been recruited there. You know, hey man, do you work at blank company? Oh, if so, can you, you know, I'll pay you 500 bucks for every time you do X, you know, and chances are they're riding public transit because they aren't paid the most. And so that can be a risk. And I think it's something to be aware of. They're also recruiting them in the parking lot of a mall or of a company. Um, they're also asking for referrals from current insiders like, hey, who else do you work with? I need someone else on a different shift than you, that type of thing. I'm going to talk more about insiders in the coming weeks as far as ways that uh, companies can track them because I think they're, I know it's becoming more and more of a problem. Um, as more of your companies crack down on some of these types of fraud that really rely on someone within your company changing a status um, or doing a SIM swap or, you know, overriding a permission for a large dollar withdrawal or deposit, more and more insiders are being recruited. So I think that's important to know. I just wanted to make that as a side step that, you know, LinkedIn isn't the only thing that's being used for that, but that that is a way that LinkedIn is being used. And so people that have, you know, you can basically just search, right, by a specific company and a specific city, and you can see who works there and what their titles are. Uh, and there are great things for that. There are, it's very 
very helpful tool. It's been helpful in my career. I know it's been helpful in a lot of yours. I mean, a lot of the ways that I know so many people in this industry is because of LinkedIn. So I'm not picking on them. I just think that with everything that, you know, has a good side, it can sometimes have a risky side too. And if anyone knows that, it's people in this industry. Other ways that LinkedIn is being used or that, you know, you may want to be aware of is that fraud leaders are being impersonated on scam calls. Um, For example, and maybe you guys have seen this, there is a um, head of fraud. He's pretty high up or a very large bank. And instead of saying what his title is or where he works or anything else like that on his main headline that you see, you know, so you see someone's name and then you see, you know, for me, I think it says award-winning cybercrime expert or something like that. I don't know, but it says a little bit about you. Sometimes people just put their position and their company name. You know, you can, some people put ninja or other random things like that about themselves. Um, which careful if you do that, cause then that's the way you're going to be known. I can think of a few people that <laughs> When you mention their real name, people are like, oh, is that the so-and-so guy? Or is that the so-and-so person? Because they said, you know, that they really like this and their main profile Um, and that tagline, or I don't even know what it's called, but I'm sure you guys are, you know, yelling it out at me, but... (laughs) Hopefully you know what I mean. But anyway, this particular fraud leader, it says underneath his name, if I'm calling you, you are being scammed uh, because he has been impersonated so much. Uh, you know, think about it. If scammers are calling saying that they're from a bank or saying they're from a company and they're from the fraud department and they want to gain trust, they'll use a real name so that if that person has any doubt, they'll just look them up on LinkedIn really fast. Like think about the example I used the scam that Andy Cohen was a victim of just a couple of months ago or Maybe it was just even a few weeks ago now. I don't know. Time is moving by so quickly. But in that case, if the if he had had any doubt of, about who the scammer was, they could have used a real name of a fraud fighter, right? And then he could have looked them up on LinkedIn and found, oh, they work at my bank. All right. Well, now that's even another reason why I should trust them. So being able to find out who you are and where you work and what your role is would be important in that type of scam. There's also just the other type of, you know, impersonation uh, on social media where we've seen this on other types of social media. I don't know if it's happening at all on LinkedIn right now, but I just think it's worth noting um, that people can create fake profiles with your information, right? And connect with other fraud people and then infiltrate our world. You know, I don't think that they're doing that to, you know, scam a grandmother out of providing bail money for their grandson or anything like that. But it's just another way, you know, or maybe they're going to study a bunch of different fraud fighter profiles and create their own to make it look like they're legitimate. And then we'll welcome them in and then they'll get to see all of our, all of our posts and any information. Again, I don't know if that's happening. Just my own imagination of what I think could happen. I don't have any confirmation that it has, but you really never know. And then also just, again, like your physical security, right? Like in some cases, people are posting where they live, the school they attended, you know, things that you can be fished on. Um, You know, what if your alma mater or your university contacts you for a donation? That could be all because they know what school you went to because of LinkedIn. You know, the city you live in, just how specific you get, right? I mean, LinkedIn provides the ability for you to share your phone number and your address and your email address with the public if you want to. That's one of the settings on the account settings under privacy and and settings. So, you know, hopefully that's not anything that you've done, but maybe you set this up so long ago that maybe you weren't a fraud fighter then, or maybe you weren't worried about these things then. So I'd really suggest going through your account settings. I actually just did it uh, so that I could see what 
options there were to share with you guys, uh, but also just to see what I had done. And there were a few things I was like, oh, that was really smart of me to do that a while ago. It was probably years ago. Um, in other cases, I was like, huh, okay, well, I'm going to change that now. I'm just out of good measure. And like I mentioned, how protective you decide to be on LinkedIn is really going to depend on you. It's going to depend on your own personal preferences. It's going to depend on where you work, right? The likelihood of become, of you specifically becoming a target. Um, if you are in trust and safety and you often are canceling accounts for abuse and not just payment fraud, that might be more of a risk to be harassed because you know, those people may have been making money off of your site, or maybe it had become part of their real life as, you know, a metaverse company, you know, in gaming could do, you know, how obsessed are your users with your company? How likely are they to, you know, if they do get kicked off your platform, is there another platform they can go to without any problem? Or are they going to be angry? Um, And payment fraud is, you know, one that you do need to be aware of. I just don't think it's as risky because it's such a game of trial and error. And most people don't take it personally when their order doesn't go through or when their fraud account is canceled because they know they're committing fraud. But sometimes with abuse, that's a a different, it's a different animal. Uh, It's a different type of pathology of a person. Uh, Just so many different thoughts on that. So just something to be aware of. It also depends on the position you're in, right? And the size of your company. Is it a really small company where you're the only person in charge of fraud? Uh, is it a big company where you're lower on the totem pole or in the middle of the totem pole? Or is it a bigger company where you're the head of fraud and you know you may be more likely to be impersonated? Like these are just things to kind of think about, right? Like how protective do I need to be on here? Because if we're being honest, like there's a whole other reason why we want to use LinkedIn. And it's a good reason. It's to help your career. It's to connect with your peers. It's to get to know other people who are like you, who, you know, are interested in the same things, who might know of a job that may be of interest to you down the line and you want to be thought of. Um, There are different reasons to and ways to use LinkedIn, right? There are some people like like me, like Frank McKenna, like other people that I've had on the podcast who enjoy posting things. I enjoy being a part of the conversation. I enjoy, you know, posting on different topics in fraud and keeping people in the loop, uh, especially since having the podcast. You know, one of the ways that I've been using it is to get the word out about various episodes and topics being discussed, uh, different guests I've had on the podcast. But even before that, I was posting, you know, news articles or just might have had a conversation with someone that made me think of something. That's important to me. It also does help, you know, me continue to be in people's minds when they think, oh, I need a consultant that knows about this space. Well, I I hope that they think of. Um, but you know, you may be comfortable in your role, you may have a lot more job security than others, you know, so you may not want to post freely, you might just want to have your profile on there. And that's it, you might, you know, be able to connect with your peers or have a way to have your peers connect with you if they need something. Those are, you know, other good ways of using it. I will caution that there are several people that I can think of who never used LinkedIn, you know, for anything. And then they found themselves kind of suddenly without a job. And now they don't really know anyone or, you know, they didn't really post anything. They didn't really call attention to themselves. They didn't really interact with other people's posts. So even if you're like, I don't want to post anything. I don't know what to talk about. Well, it's really a good idea to interact with other people's posts. That's how people can get to know you. Oh, I've seen them interact on other people in Fred's posts. They must be, you know, really interested in this space. 
But if you've really walled yourself off and you haven't been networking or communicating with anyone, you know, for the last several years that you've had this job and then you, you know, are subject to a reduction in force at your company and you're laid off or something else, you know, quickly happens where you're, you know, left without looking for a job and it's a pretty competitive market. Well, that can cause problems. So I do think it's important to think about, you know, how am I going to use this and how, what am I going to do? What am I not going to do? Because I, it still is a very valuable tool for networking and for getting your name out there. And, you know, let's face it, while we're in a niche industry and there's only so many of us that can do these jobs, there's only so many jobs out there too. And so being able to stand out even just a little bit does have its benefits. Thank you again to Spec for sponsoring today's episode. I'm really excited for more online companies to see what's possible with their fraud infrastructure. Specs Trust Cloud is way more than just another fraud product. And I hope you'll visit www.specprotected, that's S-P-E-C-P-R-O-T-E-C-T-E-D.com to learn why. I know I've been promising to tell you more about Spec and why I invited them to sponsor episodes of Fraudology. And there's actually so many things that I want to tell you and will tell you over the next several weeks. But the first thing I wanted to make sure that you hear about is their Trust Cloud. Spec's Trust Cloud protects the integrity of the digital user while simplifying the risk process. It allows you to discover insights across the entire digital user experience. It allows you to catch attacks early. With access to full visibility, you can scan visitor behavior across their entire journey to catch the risk patterns that traditional fraud check APIs miss. Visualize the flow of attacks, identifying areas to catch them early, and leaving bad actors with nowhere to hide. It also allows you to start each journey with instant trust. You can boost platform integrity by instantly welcoming return customers to their personal account experience, while your trust platform invisibly screens for signs of compromise and abuse. It also allows you to remove friction for good customers and increase conversions. By using a single source of truth, you can detect evolving fraud attacks and identify conversion drop-offs and optimize your payment strategy. The bottom line is when you're able to to see every customer's behavior from the moment that they enter your website until the time of checkout or when they open up a new account, you can identify that before the fake account is made, before the transaction is even made and now you've got a fraud transaction in your platform. It's honestly game-changing and I'm really excited for more people to learn about it. So to learn more about Spec and this new technology and especially their Spec Trust Cloud, go to www.specprotected.com. So here are a few levers um, to pull for your own safety using LinkedIn. Um, I think I've said this enough on this episode, but it's up to each individual which ones you pull or which ones you do. But I just wanted to go through, you know, my profile on my end and see, well, what can I do, right? One of the questions I had was, can you make your connections private? I couldn't find a setting for that. Um, but you can make it so people can't see when you're looking at their profiles. That's kind of handy sometimes, um, whether for your own safety or just your own curiosity and you want to look at people's profiles and don't want them to know who looked at it. Um, there's other you know types of uh, settings that you can look into um, within your profile. And this is um, settings and privacy under account preferences. You can set your city or your country. You might just want to say what country you're in and not what city. Uh, you might want to say the greater 
you know, city area rather than the specific city. That's what I did because I, I do now live, you know, outside of that city. And so it, it also just widens the field more, right? Especially since I have a unique first name, it's like, well, a Carice in Seattle would be easier to find than a Carice in the greater Seattle area because I don't live in the city anymore. So just, you know, something like that. It does give you the ability to provide your contact information publicly and have it searchable. Um, Your phone number, your email address, your address, your birthday. Um, Those are all things that obviously could be used for identity theft and um, other things like that, phishing attacks, things like that. So I just, none of that is of mine is on there. I always assume if somebody wants to get a hold of me, they'll send me a LinkedIn email. Um, Granted, I can't keep up on all of them all the time, even though I try. But you know, there's a lot of people that send LinkedIn emails that you or messages that you probably don't want to have your email address because it's probably sales reps, right? I get a lot of sales stuff too. While it's not necessarily in our industry, it's a lot of stuff for business owners and things like that that I just I don't have time to deal with. I'd rather them go to my LinkedIn inbox than go to my real email. Um, here's what I think is really important. You know, consider whether you are going to tag your company on your profile or if you're just going to list them with no way to search. Because not only can people look at your profile and go, oh, let me learn about that company. I'll click on that company. But they can also go to the company page and search who works there, right? Who works there with fraud in their title? You know, who works out of a specific company or specific city and might have a lower level job, those type of searchable things. Now, granted, like I like to use that as, you know, if somebody contacts me and says, Hey, do you know any, you know, if it's a merchant and they say, Hey, do you know anyone at this company? And the main contact that I knew left recently, I often will just search that company and look up who else is there that I'm connected to. Um, and then I might reach out and say, Hey, this was my you know connection before. Are you the right you know, are you now the right connection or is it someone else? So I'm realizing that that might, you know, hinder me a little bit, but that's not more important than your own individual safety. So do what you want there. And there is a setting um, within um, the visibility section of settings and privacy, where you can actually decide if people can see your profile based on your alma mater and your university or based on, you know, your company, right? If they search their company, can they find you within that company? within those tags. Um, So even if you do tag your company on your own profile, you can have it so that if your company is searched, they can't find you um, within those settings. And that might be something to look at. Um, I also suggest, you know, considering if you want to have the exact title of your position, or if you want to maybe name your fraud team something different, maybe something that people in the industry would recognize as, okay, that's probably their fraud team, but maybe you know, someone who's looking up their fraud team or their trust and safety team wouldn't know what to look up. For many reasons, when I was, uh, when I managed my own fraud team for the startup many years ago, I didn't work for the fraud department. Our company didn't have a fraud department. We had a customer financial services department that was based on another retailer that several people uh, from my company had worked at before. And uh, they just thought it sounded better to customers. Hey, I'm calling from the customer financial services department than fraud. Uh, They didn't want anyone to think that we had fraud. Um, But there's other reasons why that can be helpful too, right? So having people be able to search who runs fraud for this company might be something that you not you don't want to make it easy for them. Um, In the case of my friend who was on on Tuesday, I don't know if she said this or not on the air. The way that this person who ended up harassing 
you know, her and other coworkers for four years, um, the way that they even knew uh, who it was that ran fraud for that specific company was because they did a Google search and they found the press release or the agenda page for the conference that I worked at at the time. And they saw, oh, this person, head of fraud for this company is speaking at this conference. Oh, let me go look them up on LinkedIn. Um, But that can just as easily happen on LinkedIn too. So I just think it's important to note that. Um, Just knowing of what's possible, right, is just the... That's important because then you can decide how much you want to protect yourself or not. Um, There's also a section of like people also viewed, you know, um, whenever they visit your profile, they can see what other people, what other profiles are being viewed in addition to yours. So at the same time by the same person. So maybe they always look at yours, but they also look at your boss. Well, maybe there would be no other way to know who fraud reported to unless they saw, oh, this must be their boss. You can have that turned off under the visibility section of your settings and privacy. Like I said, you can have it so that people don't know when you're viewing their profile or they just know what company you work for or they can see 100% who it is. So that's handy to have, especially if you ever use LinkedIn um, for fraud prevention, for OSINT or any kind of investigations. You wouldn't want, you know, a target of your investigation to see that the, you know, fraud manager for XYZ company was looking at their profile. That might tip them off a little bit. So I think that's a handy thing to to be aware of. Um, And you can keep the people that you follow private, which is good, but you just can't. From what I could tell, and I looked through quite a bit, there's no way to keep the people that you are straight connected to private. So something to keep in mind. Um, And then you also decide what you post, if you post, if you comment, etc. And then you decide what you comment and what you post. So just always be conscious that it's a public setting. I often am. Um, I think sometimes I get comfortable because I know somebody in real life and I might say something kind of silly, but most of the time I'm, you know, I'm still not, I have my non-negotiables of things that I wouldn't ever say in a post um, that would, you know, potentially put myself at risk or my family at risk, right? I'm not going to say, oh, full names of my kids here and da 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 or, you know, a lot. I mean, I think if you really, really, really dug, you could see who my husband was, but that was a choice I made once and, and I'm okay with that, right? Like um, I tagged him in a post quite a while ago, um, but I know that, you know, people have found it and that's fine, but like I make it really hard to find. You have to dig quite far to find that. So it's not like it's right up there or anything. Um, if you're in a phase in your career where you need more visibility in the industry, right? Like feel free to post a little bit or, hey, I worked on this project and this is what I learned or something like that. But also keep in mind that it sure seems like at least of the merchants, the fraud fighters, like the practitioners that I know, either whether they're on the merchant side or they're on the banking side, that when they do post things on LinkedIn, it's unfortunate. But some sales reps think, oh, that means that they want to be, you know, they really want to be communicated with. Uh, and sometimes they'll say, hey, I really enjoyed your post on XYZ. Can we talk about this? Uh, can we talk about that? Um, it sometimes can be seen as like a doorway of entry uh, for them to have a conversation. So just be aware of that. But I do think that it's a really powerful tool and it's an important tool in our careers. So finding that balance between using it as a tool to help you in your career and you know just keeping your public safety in mind uh, is important. 
So the bottom line of this episode is, you know, ultimately you need to decide where the balance will lie between your career growth and your safety. I don't think that, you know, LinkedIn is entirely, you know, the place where your safety is going to be compromised if it is going to be. But I think it just deserved its own episode because it can be complex. And I know that some people struggle with, well, I want to have some career growth, but I also, you know, feel like I need to be private because of who I work for or what I do. And, you know, talk to your bosses if this is something that you aren't sure of, right? Maybe this is a really good conversation starter for a team meeting. Hey, has anyone given thought to what we share on LinkedIn or what we post on LinkedIn or what's in our job descriptions for our company, uh, for this team? You know, just things that could be learned, you know, almost do like a reverse OSINT search on yourself. Um, almost think, you know, think like a fraudster, like we're also good doing and you know, would knowing this piece of information be helpful to them in any way? Would, you know, being able to find this easily, would that be helpful any other way? That type of thing. Um, there's also a setting on visibility where you can decide if they cross post it or they provide your information with their affiliate partners as LinkedIn is now owned by Microsoft. Uh, but also if it can be found on a search engine. Uh, so that's another thing that you could, you know, mark. So if somebody said fraud manager at this company and put it in a search engine, um, they may be able to find that title and company and you and your profile on a search engine rather than going into LinkedIn. So just, you know, things like that, right? I was, as I was going through each setting, I was thinking, how could this be used? And I think that's what you should do too, right? What information is there out about me? And how can I curate that so that there's just not enough to make it interesting or easy to dox me or to harass me or to, you know, reach out or impersonate me or any of the things that can be done. It's really not fair that we need to think of these things, but, you know, it's a lot better to think about them now and be strategic than it is to be caught unprepared. Um, once data and information is exposed, it's too late, right? You can't always unring that bell. Just the creativity of that particular person who went to great lengths to embarrass the head of fraud. I mean, finding people who liked that company and finding all of their public phone numbers listed, uh, not on LinkedIn, but on other platforms, but there is a spot for it on LinkedIn for people to share their phone numbers um, with inappropriate sound effects coming from, you know, her spoofed phone number, like that could be detrimental, right? If her company didn't know if she didn't already give a heads up to everyone that she was being harassed by a user who, you know, ended up committing payment fraud and being, you know, not a user they wanted on their site. Well, if they company didn't already know that, that could look really bad. Um, but there's so many other things that can happen too. And I know that, you know, I think she kind of talked about it briefly, but there was another coworker of hers that was um, had a lot of accusations of pedophilia. And that's really gross. That was, you know, all over social media where they could see it, you know, they knew their hometown. So they joined parent groups on social media to say, hey, watch out for this person. Um, they were able to figure out, you know, how many schools were in that area and tried to contact the schools to warn them about this person. And it was all because they got their account shut off. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous to me. But we can never underestimate how much free time other people have or just how vengeful they are, right? So it's important to do what we can ahead of time because it's mind boggling uh, what this person went through uh, just to terrorize people who were doing their jobs. 
Um, and then you should also just, in addition to LinkedIn and everything else, should be thinking about organizations or, you know, marketing with your name and your title and your company. So those three things together, or maybe just even two of the three, you know, things like webinars, conferences, you know, career fair announcements, like, oh, this person from this company has this role and they're going to be speaking at this career fair. Just you know, like I said, do some kind of reverse engineering of, you know, open source intelligence to see what's out there about you. And, you know, if you, I'm not saying don't do a webinar with a vendor that you like, but maybe say, hey, I don't want my name to be listed. Can you just have my title and the company name on your marketing? Um, same with conferences. I think it's probably, this happened five or six years ago. Um, it's probably pastime that we consider that now where maybe we just have title and company and not the actual person's name on agendas. I know that that can help with that can also help with career advancement, right? Oh, this person was asked to speak at this conference, they must know what they're talking about. But it can also be seen, you know, as as risky too. So it's just, again, finding that balance. I feel like I should have <laughs> given you a drinking word ahead of time of this episode, and it would have been balance or intentional. <laughs> Uh, so maybe it's a good thing. I didn't do that in hindsight, but if you're really concerned about, you know, the footprint that you have online, um, I did ask my guest on Tuesday, uh, what online service they use, um, for, you know, looking into online reputation cleanup. Um, it's something I've been actually asking a few friends privately about for the last uh, couple of weeks, way before I saw my LinkedIn tagged in a post on Telegram. Um, just, you know, my affiliation with with former fraudsters who are very vocal make me a little nervous. Um, I And also just being on this public platform. I mean, I don't think many of them have found me because uh, if so, my numbers would be even higher than they are. But I just want to be conscious, right? And especially after some of the things that my child went through, um, which will be another story for another day. Um, a few years ago, I've just been reminded that like our, you know, our, our own safety and privacy is is important to try to protect. You can only do so much. You may not be able to protect it 100%, but it's something to at least, you know, try to keep safe. So I will name this company with the caveat that I have not used them. My guest on Tuesday has for several years and doesn't have a complaint with them, but I don't have a relationship with this company and I haven't fully vetted them myself. Um, but because I know there are a lot of companies out there that claim to do this that actually don't, or, you know, that could be scams in their own right, just knowing that it's something that someone did, used that they appreciate and think does a good job was something I thought I'd share with you, uh, if nothing else, but to prevent a few dozen notes to me saying, hey, who's that company that they reference? Um, it's called OneRep, O-N-E-R-E-P. So I think like OneReputation.com. Um, and there are similar companies like that, but that's just, that's the only one where I know someone who's used it for the last few years and hasn't had complaints. Um, but that may not be a bad thing, right? I mean, you, some of these things are under your control, right? LinkedIn, things like that. But what I really want to make sure that I'm off of is been verified because that tool, whether it is a fraudulent tool or not, is all alleged, but it definitely is being used by cyber criminals uh, for verification purposes. And so I'd want to make sure that that is the first tool that my name is scrubbed off of um, and my address and the people who live at my address, uh, because I know in addition to being harassed herself, um, my guest on Tuesday, her, 
family members that lived with her at the time were also being harassed for years. And it would just, it kept spider webbing out. So, um, you know, even just removing who else lives at that house or that address is, I think, an important component. Well, that is all I have for today. I think that was a lot crammed into one episode. Um, Like I said, I think it's just really good to think these things through ahead of time and and just take an assessment, right? Like if someone really wanted to know who was in charge of fraud at my company, could they figure it out? If someone really wanted to find out, you know, who I was and they wanted to know information about me, could they figure it out? And then use the tools that are available to you, make the decisions that you can to try to make it at least a lot harder to do, right? You never want to make it easy for them. And sometimes that's all you can do. You can never claim that everything's going to be 100% perfect, but you can at least make sure that it's going to be difficult. All right, you guys, I, as always, appreciate you listening to the podcast. I really am always humbled by so many of you who take time to reach out and say, Hey, that episode was really good. Or I really appreciated this or, you know, thanks so much for that. So um, it means a lot, even if I don't get it right back all the time. Um, But just appreciate y'all so much. And I look forward to speaking with you more next week. again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.